0: It is time for the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast Football Wrap-Up. That's right, bringing you scores from the previous week, high school scores across the state of Kansas, college football scores and highlights, and the NFL, all right here on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, your favorite conductor, Anthony Smith. So get ready for the football wrap-up show right here on the a train sports talk podcast with your host and your favorite conductor anthony smith
1: sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard
0: Welcome to the a the Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, train Anthony Smith. You Weston, know the show. Monday, Monday, after Thanksgiving holiday. Hope y'all had a safe, and happy Thanksgiving. As you ventured over the dangerous highways, dangerous scene and unseen, we pray that you had safe journeys to and fro. Spending time with loved ones, family, friends. I had a good time myself took in a little bit of football on the
1: tube,
0: spent time with the family and the wife, and now we're back in the saddle here to bring you some football scores. As you know, this past week was rivalry week and also the end to the high school football season in the state of Kansas. That being said, we're going to give you the scores all the state championship games. In a game that went down to the wire took not one overtime, but two overtimes to sell this score. Manhattan is your 6A champions as they outlasted Gardner Edgerton by the score of 21-20. In 5A, Another game, I'm pretty sure it was nip and tuck, but Mill Valley outlasted right around the corner. Mays beating them by the score of 28-14. In 4A, saw a matchup between Bishop Miege and Wemago, which is not too far from Manhattan, Kansas. Bishop Miege comes out on top 35-14. In 3A, a team that has been just running roughshod throughout the whole 3A class. You Line them up, they knock them down, even to the point where they were criticized by some of the scores that they put up. And that's what their JV team is. This would be the Andale Indians, blanking out by the score of 28 to zero. In 2A, Nimaha Central outlasted Cayman, beating them 33-17. In 1A, in the game I'm sure was nipping and Tuck, went down to the wire. St. Mary's outlasted Emmon by the score of 44-41. Eight-man Division One, Wichita County, in a shootout. I guess you could say this was the game of the Indians. As Butchertown County knocked off Little River by the score of fifty-four to thirty-six, and in eight-man division two, Axtail cruises past Under Ridge, seventy-six to twenty-eight, and in six-man, Cunningham cruises past Ashland by the score of thirty-eight to sixteen. So what took place in college football? We will take a look at college football top 25. As there were, I said this past week was rivalry week and there were some games Interest some games that also most likely will have some bearing on the college football playoffs. So we're definitely getting ready to dive into that right now. And I guess first what I'm going to do is give you the rankings and see how things have shaped up and what led us to there. So the AP Top 25 College Football Poll, what's next for each ranked team? Well, the AP Top 25 College Football Poll is out after another wild weekend of games. So what happens from here? Here's a breakdown of what's next for each ranked team. Number one, Georgia Bulldogs. 12-0. 12-0. Previous rank, one. Week 13 results, a 37-14 win over their arch-rival Georgia Tech. So what's next? The SEC Championship game versus LSU. It will be played Saturday at 4 p.m. Bulldogs were number one a week ago in the college football playoff rankings, and they likely did enough to stay number one in the penultimate rankings on Tuesday. Up next is an SEC championship game date, LSU, on Saturday in Atlanta. It's probably the last thing Kirby Smart wants to hear, but Georgia is likely already in the playoff, even if it were to lose to LSU. The Bulldogs will be looking for their first SEC championship since 2017. Balance both offensively and defensively has been the key for Georgia, which is ranked 11th nationally in scoring offense and first in scoring defense. Number two, Michigan Wolverines, coming in at 12-0. and 0. Previous rank was number three. What were their results? Well, they put a 45-23 beatdown on number two, Ohio State, in the big house, in the horseshoe. So what's next? The Big Ten Championship game versus Purdue, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Wolverines beat Ohio State 45-23 in the final game of the regular season. It was a convincing win for Michigan with star running back Blake Corum on the sideline for most of the game with an injury. The win puts Michigan into the Big Ten championship game for a second year in a row, where the Wolverines will play against Purdue. A win in the conference championship game would put Michigan into the college football playoff consecutive years and give it a shot at earning a spot in the title game. Number three, TCU Horned Frogs, still undefeated. Previous week, no, week 13 results, a 62-14 to 14 win versus Iowa State. What's next? Big 12 championship game versus Kansas State, Saturday at noon. After finishing off an undefeated regular season, the 12-0 Horned Frogs will travel all of 18 miles to AT&T Stadium for a rematch with Kansas State for the Big 12 championship game Two played a barn burner in Fort Worth in October, with Will Howard replacing an injured Adrian Martinez and leading the Wildcats to a 28-10 lead before a TCU rallied for a 38-28 win. Aside from a conference title on the line, Horned Frogs' college football playoff hopes probably hinge on a win with a one-loss Ohio State, and yes, a two-loss Alabama, both looming behind them. TCU remembers the lessons of 2014 when the Buckeyes leapfrog and 11-1 and horned team, and don't want to leave anything to chance, a.k.a. a selection committee that can sometimes get enamored with brands. Number four, USC Trojans, 11-1, previous rank, five. Week 13 results, 38-27 win versus number 13, Notre Dame. What's next? They have the Pac-12 championship game versus Utah Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's all been building up to this for USC. A little over a year ago, Trojans were 4-8, looking for some direction after hiring Lincoln Riley. Now, they're one game from not just winning the Pac-12 title, but also earning the program's first college football playoff player. Turnaround has been quicker than even some inside the program expected. Yet, USC has looked like best team in the conference all year. Next week in Las Vegas, Trojans get a chance to prove it, and then some. Number five, Ohio State Buckeyes 11-1, previous ranked number two. Week 13 results was a 45-23 loss versus number three, Michigan. So what's next? No game. After falling to Michigan for the second straight year, Ohio State must wait a week to see if it lands a playoff berth as an at-large team. Buckeyes have wins against Notre Dame home and Penn State road in their favor, but their second half shrivel against Michigan certainly hurts their profile. If Ohio State misses the playoff, it will land a New Year's 6 bowl spot, although quarterback C.J. Stroud said he isn't sure if he would play in a non-CFP game. Ohio State should regain some healthy bodies at running back for the postseason, but the team's immediate concern is figuring out what went so wrong on defense in the Michigan loss. Number six, Alabama Crimson Tide. Their result was a 49-27 win in the Iron Bowl versus Auburn. So what's next? No game. Whether Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr. suit up for bold practice, or skip out and start preparing for the NFL draft is beside the point. In all likelihood, they're not going to be on the team next season anyway. So, next month becomes about finding playmakers, whether that's seeing who stands out in bold practices or who becomes available via the transfer portal. Alabama needs to identify its next quarterback and find help at several key positions, receiver, offensive line, and defensive back to name a few before it can be penciled in for playoff contention next season. Number seven, Tennessee Volunteers 10 and 2, previous ranked 9. Week 13 result, a 56 win versus Vanderbilt. What's next? No game. As you told any Tennessee fan before the season that the Balls were going to win 10 games for the first time since 2007, they would have been ecstatic. But the sting of a 63-38 loss to South Carolina last week will linger, especially with a potential playoff spot at stake. To their credit, the Vols bounced back and hammered Vanderbilt in the regular season finale to put themselves in excellent shape to play a New Year's Six bowl, which would be a first for Tennessee. Plus, it gives Joe Milton the third another game at quarterback. He's likely to be the Vols' starter next season with Hendon Hooker headed to the NFL. Number eight, Penn State Nittany Lions, 10-2. Previous rank was 11. Week 13 result, a 35-16 win versus Michigan State. If this season has been defined by the contributions of their highly touted freshman running backs, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, the Nittany Lions sophomore class chipped in considerably Against Michigan State on Saturday. Wide receiver KeAndre Lambert Smith threw and caught a touchdown pass while two tight ends, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, called in scores. Penn State has reached the 10-win plateau for the first time since 2019 and harbors ample New Year's six votes. Number nine, the Washington Huskies. 10-2. 10 and 2. Previous ranking, 12. Their result, a 51 33 win versus Washington State. If the Huskies did anything this season, it was thoroughly proving that the hire of Kalen DeBoer was one of the best in the country. Washington went from a tumultuous 4 8 record last season to a 10 win regular season within 12 months, beating Oregon and Washington State the same season is usually good enough, but the remarkable turnaround that DeBoer has engineered now also has Washington with the chance to play in a Rose Bowl in his debut season. Number 10, the Clemson Tigers at 10-2. Previous rank, 8. Their result, a 31-30 loss versus South Carolina. What's next? The ACC championship game versus North Carolina, Saturday 8 p.m. Eastern. The Tigers are in some unusual territory for the first time in their last eight ACC championship game appearances. They are coming off a loss to rival South Carolina. Clemson has to figure out a way to get its offense in sync and limit the big plays. It's secondary loud headed into the game against North Carolina which has one of the best offenses in the ACC. Though Dabo Sweeney said he never really considered benching a struggling DJ Ugalale against South Carolina, there cannot be much margin for error with a championship on the line, especially since Clemson is back in this game after missing it a year ago. Number 11. LSU Tigers, 9-3. Fever ranked six. Their result, a 38-23 loss versus Texas A&M. So what's next? SEC Championship game versus number one Georgia. Forget sneaking into the college football playoff now. That hope probably evaporated during an inexplicable loss at Texas A&M. It was a loss that exposed LSU's defense and revealed just how much work they're still left to do under first-year coach, Brian Kelly. But that will have to wait because there's still an SEC championship game to play. If Devon Acne was able to run for 215 yards, what will the Bulldogs, Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, and Kendall Milton do? So what I'm going to do now is I am going to pause and take a break. And when I come back, I promise to have some more for you. So don't you dare go nowhere! It is the A Train Sports Talk podcast. You're on the board. You're on board with the sports ride. Be right back. Don't you dare go nowhere. Once again, A Train Sports Talk podcast. Your hosting today.
2: Mr. Max Market formerly known as P&P is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel, and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard to find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat, watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks.
1: Is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard.
0: Train sports talk podcast for segment. Like I said, there is so much to do. This is what happens when you go through long, extended holiday weekends and everything is happening and you have to try to play catch up. So I know it's going to be unusual after this podcast. Well, it just so happens that seven break team have playing in a conference championship game. It has implications on how the chips may fall in the college uh, football playoffs. Granted, I'm pretty sure Kirby Smart does not want to hear that, but yeah, there is a possibility, even if they lose, they're in. But you don't want to lose to LSU. And LSU could play the role of spoiler. So there's a whole lot of what ifs. What if Georgia loses? How far does that drop them in the rankings? Just something to throw out there. However, what I am going to do now is I'm going to bring things back a little bit locally. Get you ready for it tomorrow night as Wichita State challenges an unbeaten Missouri Tigers team. That game will be Tuesday night at, that's tomorrow night, will be at Charles Koch Arena. And I know there's going to be multiple shows on. You have one show locally that's doing shocker sound off. Then, of course, you have where the game will be broadcast, done by the legend himself, Mike Kennedy. An hour before tip-off for you, the listeners, who may be listening to this podcast, can actually call in and leave your comments. So Wichita State challenges the unbeaten Missouri Tigers 7-0 team Tuesday night at Charles Oak Arena. Shockers are coming off an 83-71 victory over Charlington State on Saturday. Keyed by Gus Oak, course 27 points and 8 rebounds. WSU's 54% shooting performance was its best under Isaac Brown. Senior point guard Craig Porter Jr. leads the team in points 13.8 and rebounds, 7.2, and assists, 3.8, steals, 1.8, and blocks, 2.7, which is 25th nationally Porter and big man Kenny Poto, 6.3 points per game, 5.3 rebounds per game. I'm going to get back to him because I have my take on him as well, too. Are the only holdovers from last year's active roster. 11 of the 13 Chakras who have, been, who have seen action are newcomers. Junior wing Jaquan Walton, Georgia, Shelton State averages thirteen point two points, five point five rebounds, and already has a pair of twenty point games under his belt. Okafor, a six six graduate transfer from Southeastern Louisiana, averages eight point three, and five point rebounds a game. Offensively, the new look Shockers are a work in progress but they have jailed quickly on defense, holding foes to 59.2 points on 35.7 shooting, 13th nationally. The Tigers are playing an up-tempo style under new head coach Dennis Gates and ranked among the national leaders in points, fourth at 93.3 points per game, field goal percentage, fourth at .526 assists first. Oh, field goal percentage, fourth at .526 Assist first at 23.3 and assist to turnover ratio first, 1.94. Defensively, Mizzou leads the nation in steals 13.9 and turnover margin plus 10 and ranks third in takeaways at 22 point, 22.0 takeaways. Per Ken Palm, number 37 Mizzou is the highest rated opponent the Shockers have faced. They defeated number 81 Richmond on the road on November 17th. Likewise, WSU, 85, is the toughest Mizzou opponent. Tigers defeated Penn, 156, and Southern Indiana, 193, and owned five other wins against teams ranked 200 or higher. This is the third in a four-game series that continues next year in Columbia. Visiting teams have taken each of the first two matchups. Mizzou won inside an empty CKA in, 2020, in Charles Coke Arena in 2021, but the Shockers even the score with a 61-55 victory last November at Mizzou Arena. Since 2005-2006 season, WSU is 14-7 against SEC opponents with victories in four of its last five. Tuesday night's game is WSU's 300th in the 20 seasons since Charles Cope Arena's renovation. Shocker teams are 250 and 49 in that span, 0.836. This will be just the 10th matchup against a team from the SEC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac 12, or ACC. WSU is 5 and 4 in those games. 20 teams began the week with undefeated records. The Shockers will face two of them this week in Mizzou and 6-0 K-State on Saturday, 8 p.m. So there you have a look into the Missouri-Wichita State game. And I was in a conversation with a friend of mine, uh, and he had his take on the Shockers just have to make start making their shots. To which I agree, they do have to make their shots. However, if you're missing wide open shots, and one of the things that stood out to me that I'm going to bring to light as I go stat tracking here now, uh, I'm going to look at the tail of two games. When Wichita State played against San Francisco, I wanna bring something to light. I'm not gonna look at the individual stats. I'm gonna look at the team stats. Against USF, they held them to within the our teams to thirty-nine point three percent on. 22 of 56 shooting, they held them to 35.3% on 12 of 34 shooting from the three-point line. Free throws, they were pretty much even. 11 of 14, 78.6. Here's the stat line on the Shockers in that game, which was a loss. Field goal percentage, 23 of 65, 35.4%. Three-point shooting, 7 of 21. 33.3%. Free throws. 10 of 14. 71.4%. Now keep that part right there in mind. The free throw shoot, Because now what I'm going to do. They shot 14 free throws in that game against University of San Francisco. Now what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you the contrast. When they played against Charlton State. In their game against Tarlington State, let's first look at what they held the opponents to. 25 of 68 for 36.8%. That's a lot of volume shooting right there. 6 of 18 from 3 6 of 18 for 33.3% from the 3-point line. 15 of 18 from the free throw line. That's what they gave up to Tarleton State. On the other hand, the Shockers didn't shoot the ball as much. They were 27 of 50, 54%. Three-pointers, they didn't shoot as many, but their percentage is still weak. 5 of 17 for 29.4%. But now, here's the free throw line. 24 of 29. Wait a minute, hold on. You mean to tell me against the University of San Francisco they only shot 14 free throws? But now the contrast is in this game they shot 24 of 29 for 82.8%. And their field goal percentage overall was 27 of 50. Something tells me that game plan changed. And the game plan that they instituted in that game should be the same game plan they should have moving forward. I'll take those free throw percentages because guess what? One, the clock is not moving. Number two, it's called a free throw for a reason. Those are free points. I'll take 82% from the free throw line any day of the week. Something would suggest to me that you're working the ball in the paint. To some people, that's not a pretty style of ball. I say, if it would get you the win, and you shoot a higher percentage shot, which translates into 54% shooting from the field, and you cut back on your three-point shots, since you know you're not a great three-point shooting team, because it's one thing to do it in practice. It's another thing to do it in a game. And for some reason, the three-point shooting that's being done in practice isn't translating over into Game. So if I'm Isaac Brown, I'm telling my guys, work the paint. And another thing, you know, you talk about matchups, match what you know, what type of matchups present this problem or that problem. We have size on our team. I say we utilize it. Instead of letting the other team dictate what lineup we're gonna put in, I think we should put in our best lineup put in our biggest lineup, and let the other team adjust to what it is we're doing as opposed to us adjusting to what they're doing. In other words, we set the tempo. We set the pace. We set how the game is going to be played. I look at the stat line. I look at the minutes played or who didn't play. Sometimes I'm puzzled. Why isn't Quincy Ballard playing no more than what he's playing? Why isn't Bear playing? Why isn't Isaiah Bear playing more than what he's playing? Why is the only legitimate big man we have at 6'11 posting up outside when the Scott report on him is, leave him open because he's not going to hit the three-point shot? I heard a guy on a local radio station say it best like this. God made you 6'11 for a reason. You need to be in the paint. Those of you who hear this podcast, I would love to hear your feedback and what you think about this. What I'm going to do right here, though, I am going to take another break. When When I come back, one coach has already left his school. The question is, is another one on his way doing the same thing? All that and more. Coming up. On the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. So don't you dare go nowhere. There's so much more to come. Hope you're enjoying the ride. A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. train sports talk podcast your host and conductor anthony smith it's time for us all to grow together so if you would like to have your ad ran on the a train sports talk podcast simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010 or if you would like to sponsor a segment you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or 316-553-2010 so let's grow together it is the a train sports talk podcast your host and conductor anthony smith
1: train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard
0: Welcome back to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, conductor. I hear some noise in the background and some feedback. I'm trying to get situated, so just bear with me. But we're back for what will be most likely my final segment. As you always know around this time of the year. Some call it Black Monday, they call some coaches have gotten their pink slips, to which I'm still trying to figure out. Maybe someone listening can help me with this one. Why do they call it Black Monday? Why come it can't be called Pink Monday? Especially since it's a pink slip that some coaches get. However, we're not talking about the coaches that have gotten fired. We're gonna be talking about the coaches that have moved on and who could possibly be moving on. So Wisconsin brings in Cincinnati's Luke Fickle as head coach. Wisconsin has hired Luke Fickle as its next football coach, Athletic Director Chris McIntosh announced on Sunday. Fickle led Cincinnati to the college football playoff last season and had gone 57 and 18 in his six years there. His 2021 Bearcats went 13-0 before losing to Alabama in the playoff semifinals as the first group of five team to reach the CFP. The hiring of Luke Fickle marks one of the most eye-opening moves of the college football carousel, with Wisconsin luring the country's top group of five coach who brings vast experience in the Big Ten's Midwestern footprint. This is a destination job at a program that I have admired from afar off for years, Fickle said in a statement. I am in total alignment with Chris McIntosh's vision for this program. There is a tremendous foundation here that I can't wait to build upon. This world-class university, athletic department, and passionately loyal fan base all have strong commitment to success, and I can't wait to be a part of it. Fickle has strong roots in the Big Ten as he was a longtime assistant coach and coordinator at Ohio State and played there collegially. He had been picky about jobs over the years as Cincinnati rose to the top of the group of five, being selective about the Midwestern footprint. He's a great fit for our program and our culture, for our style of play, McIntosh said, told ESPN. As he went through the process, we became more and more comfortable with each other and with the fit and with what our university and the city of Madison have to offer. It came together that way. For them, based upon the opportunities he's had presented, they've been able to be choosy. I'm stoked for sure, but I feel real grateful we found somebody that sees the world a similar way. Mickle is replacing Paul Christ, who was fired in the middle of the season after going 67-26 in eight seasons. Jim Leonard, the Badgers defensive coordinator, had gone 4-3 as interim coach and was considered a candidate for the head coaching job. McIntosh said it wasn't easy telling Leonard that he wouldn't be getting the permanent job. That was a very difficult conversation, only because of how much I respect Jimmy how much I care about Jimmy, how much Jimmy means to our program. Everything he's done for our program as a player, as a coordinator, and then everything he did for us this year, McIntosh said. That keeps adding to the storyline of how much he means to our program. I think more of Jimmy today than I, have, than I ever have. It's important for people to know that. It was an incredibly difficult decision, but I felt like it was the right one for the long-term benefit of the program. Pickle's attraction to the Badgers brass, along with his record and roots in the league, is his ability to build a program. Pickle turned Cincinnati into one of the country's best development programs, taking modest recruits and consistently churning out strong teams. The Bearcats had nine players picked in the 2022 NFL Draft, which was third behind only Georgia, 15, LSU, 10. McIntosh said he and Fickle spent time discussing the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness and ways for Wisconsin to move forward and avoid complacency. I'm really excited to take our program forward with Luke, McIntosh said. I'm excited about our potential. I'm excited about what this means for our program. I am excited about the message this sends to our fans, to our players, and to those kids who are interested in our program. This is a strong signal that we are committed to our program being successful in the long term. As the world changes, we will change with it. Special teams coach Kerry Coombs will serve as the Badgers' interim head coach, school announced. Cincinnati athletic director John Cunningham said he will move quickly to replace Pickle considering both external and internal candidates, which could include offensive coordinator and former Bearcats quarterback Geno. The Cincinnati job is becoming even more appealing as Fickle leaves it. The Barriquettes are switching conferences next year, moving from the American Athletic Conference to the Big 12. The move will bring more revenue into the program, but also tougher competition. This is not a stepping stone job since Cunningham said, we can do everything we want to do at the University of Cincinnati. Fickle spent one season as interim coach in the Big Ten going 6-7 in 2011 in the wake of the firing of Jim Trestle at Ohio State. He stayed patient from there, working as the Buckeyes defensive coordinator under Urban Meyer and winning a national championship in the 2014 season. So there you have news on former Cincinnati coach, now Wisconsin Badger coach Luke Fickle moving in to the Big Ten take on the head coaching job, that of the Wisconsin Badgers. So Cincinnati's looking for their next man. So one coach has decided it's time to move on. One coach has yet to make a decision, but yet there's an offer out there. Deion Sanders says he has an offer to coach at Colorado. They're not the only ones. Deion Sanders has a job offer. Jackson State football coach told reporters on Monday that University of Colorado has offered him its head coaching position confirming a Saturday report from the athletics Bruce Feldman. He also said that other schools have expressed interest in his coaching services. Sanders declined to elaborate on who else he had reached, on who else he had reached out. I'm not going to sit here and tell all my business, but they're not the only ones, Sanders said. Sanders is best known as a Hall of Fame cornerback star for the Atlanta Falcons, Dallas Cowboys, and San Francisco 49ers. He's coached at Jackson State since 2020. After a 4-3 record during the COVID-19 shortened 2020 season, Jackson State went 11-2 in 2021 and is 11-0 this season ahead of Saturday's SWAC championship game against Southern. Sanders has proven has proven an adept recruiter and scored a recruiting coup in 2021 when he lured the nation's number one prospect, Travis Hunter, to Jackson State. Hunter flipped to Jackson State after initially committing to Sanders' college pro- program, Florida State. He's the highest-rated recruit to ever commit to an HBCU and the first five-star prospect to play for an FCS program. Colorado fired head coach Carl Durrell in October in the midst of a one 11 campaign. Buffalo finished their season on Saturday with a 63-21 loss at home to Utah under interim coach Mike, Stanford. Mike Sanford. The program hasn't confirmed an offer to Sanders or made any public statements regarding the details of his coaching search. Sanders has openly expressed interest in coaching a Power 5 school during his tenure at Jackson State he didn't divulge on Monday if he's interested in accepting the Colorado job. He vowed to not let the news of the coaching search become a distraction from Saturday's game against Southern. Attention ain't nothing new to me, Sanders said. Like, come on, I'm not being braggadocious. That's a wonderful word, isn't it? I just came up with that. But this isn't new to me. Being in the spotlight isn't new to me. Sanders was previously linked to the head coaching vacancy at Auburn. The program filled a position on Monday when it hired former Ole Miss and Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze. So now let me throw this out. In that report, you heard it said that Colorado, even though there's an offer, they said that there really wasn't an offer made. Sandra said that there was an offer. But there wasn't, that wasn't the only offer. So there's more to it than what we know about. Of course, we know Sanders is will be coaching his Jackson State Tigers going up against Southern for the SWAC championship and possibly for a berth in the celebration bowl. But yet they're still rising up in the FCS. Why aren't they playing in the, as I would call it, the FCS uh, tournament, if you want to call it that? or the playoff, last I take, they were ranked like number four, number five in FCS. To me, that warrants a playoff berth. I think last year, FAMU, Florida A&M University, and they're ranked also in the top 25 in FCS, they were awarded a shot to play in the, as I guess you would call it the college football playoff on the FCS level. So my my take is Jackson State, undefeated team, ranked as high as they are, they should be getting that same invite. I just don't know how that works out on that level. But if you're in the top 10, you definitely are worthy of playoff contention and undefeated at that. But do you think Sanders could be coaching his final games at Jackson State? Everybody has their take. One, Sanders really doesn't need money. He has money. My thing is, as bad a shambles as Colorado is, and based on where you have Jackson State, granted, FCS versus FBS, okay, I get it. But is the Pac-10 really... A Power 5 conference, when you look at the fact that they're, one, they're losing two-story programs, two stories that basically are brand names, even though they haven't been on top of the world lately, but you're losing UCLA and USC. To me, you really almost can't be considered a Power 5 conference with those two schools no longer in your conference. And there's not too much you can replace them with. It's just like in the Big 12, you lose an OU, you lose a Texas, you you lose that brand recognition. You cannot replace that. And maybe Sanders is saying the fact that by them losing those two schools that maybe the Pac-12 becomes wide open. But if it's me in those shoes, I'm looking at what I have at Jackson State, what I have coming back to Jackson. State. Look at how many people want to come to Jackson State because of me. Look at the community, look at the culture that we have created here, versus a lack of a culture and a community at Colorado. Colorado has not been relevant in the college football world since they left. 12. I say from a program standpoint, I, have, I would have it better off at Jackson State University because you don't know how long the building process is going to take at Colorado, how much patience you're going to be given, how much leeway you're going to be given before they get, before the alums get unruly, and get restless and say, this isn't working out. We need to go a different direction. I want to Use a quote line from a former basketball coach who was caught up in some accusations, who is now being paid by a school. I'm going to say name Wichita State, who is being wild and looked up on by major programs in Power Five conferences. School was once again with State. The coach's name, Greg Marshall. When asked, Why come he doesn't take a bigger job? And the longer he stayed, the more he was getting paid. Let me add that. He was asked, Why come he didn't take a bigger job at one of those Power Five conferences? He says, Why well, mess with happy?" He said, I may go to a program, turn them around, win for a couple of years. Have a losing season and they're ready to get rid of me. Why well, mess with Happy? So my word to Deion Sanders is, and I'm pretty sure he already knows this. Look at where he's at, and look at what you be getting yourself into. It didn't take you long to turn around Jackson State. That's why come here have the motto, I believe. Colorado, as down as they have been, that's a different beast. I would think long and hard before I make that move. I have often said this, Deion Sanders coaching at Jackson State, being the face of pretty much the HBCU football brand, could become bigger than the legendary Eddie Robinson, which I'm pretty sure Eddie Robinson would probably Smile down from heaven on you. Well, this has been another edition of the A Train Sports Talk podcast. Hope you have enjoyed it. There will be a section where you can leave comments, answer to the poll question. Plain and simple. Should Deion Sanders take the offer to go to Colorado? Or should he stay with Jackson? Well, this has been an edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You enjoy the ride. Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. I'll be back with you later this week. Once again, yours truly, Anthony Smith.